welcome in to episode 226 of the Source State Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Source State Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations that's on Blazer Parkway in Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by KSR's own Stephen Peake, uh, our trusty video- videographer and admittedly uh, the most passionate Kentucky fan I have ever met. Stephen. <laughs> How the heck are you? I'm doing good. I'm trying to stay awake. We're on this road to Missouri. It is brutal. Um, you just, I don't know. I don't know if this camera's getting it, but this has mostly been our view the whole time. Uh, just nothing. You made this trip for the football game, yeah. uh, and you were very outspoken about how terrible <laughs> this drive is. So uh, rather than just doing an audio, holding up the microphone, voice memos as we're driving, uh, we wanted to uh, let fans in on this experience. And if we have to suffer through yeah. this drive, uh, you do too. So while we're doing this, you're going to be watching us drive through the middle of nowhere where uh, we saw a... Uh, I don't know what it was, a, a, a horse family riding through the <laughs> yeah. night, like three degrees outside. Uh, they're right, just it's a good time riding, to go for a ride on your horse. Yeah, riding through cornfields and uh, in their family of horses. I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is, um, but that's what we're seeing right now. As of right now, it is nothing but uh, empty fields and nothingness. We're not even getting like windmills or anything kind of just interesting. It's it's nothing but flat land all the way through uh, Missouri, and uh, I'm not having a good time. No, I mean, you know, we're trying to make the best of it, so that's why we're, we're recording this, and uh, we've been talking Kentucky basketball pretty much the whole way, but man, it is a long five and a half hours of just, it, we'll, we'll get to St. Louis eventually, and we'll see the arch for like two minutes. I'm, Columbia is a nice town, it's just getting there is just, from from Kentucky is just brutal. It's no fun. So, this game in particular wasn't supposed to be that important going into the year. This yeah. was one that I think uh, nobody had circled on their schedules going into the season uh, with all the non-conference lead up and you know all the hype games, Gonzaga, Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, you know Everybody was excited for those games and then this was kind of a, a dud to get us to the new year, the Louisville game, and then uh, the, the real start of SEC play. Look, I mean, as of this past week, uh, Missouri is one of the hottest teams in college basketball coming off a win over uh, number 16, Illinois, a blowout 20-point win where Missouri was firing on all cylinders. Their offense is amazing. Five different players averaging in double figures. So this game has now become kind of not a must-win for Kentucky, but a huge, huge way to start the SEC schedule, Stephen. Uh, One that I personally wasn't – I mean, we weren't even planning on making this trip. I was going to say, this drive sucks so bad that as much as I wanted to see Kentucky play, their first SEC game of the season. I was against this trip, but we kind of, them having the season that they've had and beating Illinois kind of forced our hand, and now here we are. So, yeah. Uh, so, Missouri is, as I said, they're firing on all cylinders, five different players averaging in double figures. Uh, their offense is unbelievable, averaging 88 points a game, uh, definitely a run and gun. 
uh, type of type of style of play. Uh, I think that this is a game that can that that they're going to want to get into a track meet that plays to their advantage to their to to you know its best. But I think on Kentucky's end, I think it definitely plays into it to its favor. Something that we've been waiting to see instead of the kind of grinded out offense that we've seen under John Calipari this year, uh, stalling things out in the first half. Uh, I don't think Kentucky is going to get a rock fight tonight. I think this might be the most entertaining game we've get we've gotten in, in quite some time, and I definitely think it, it will favor uh, favor Kentucky in, in that regard, Stephen. Yeah, and you had mentioned before when we started recording this, and as we've been talking about this game on the way there, is uh, Kentucky might be the best def- defensive team that they'll play, and. Uh, I, I want to see the game open up a little bit. I, if anything, just to get some guys seeing the ball go through the basket in a meaningful game. I mean, we saw C.J. Frederick hit several threes in the in the last outing, but I want to see them do that in a game that's meaningful. This is your first true road game. I mean, Gonzaga, you were there. Was that a was that a road environment? I, for my money, it was. <laughs> if you talk to them, they'll say, "Well, unless we're playing at the kennel, then it's not. You know, yeah. th- this isn't a, a true road, road environment." But it was 98% Gonzaga fans, uh, and they were as rowdy as anything as I, as I could personally remember in recent memory. So, for my money, it was a, a true road game. But this is the first true official road game, and we're expecting there to be a, a pretty good Missouri sold crowd. out. It's officially yeah. a sellout. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Kentucky. Like you said, Missouri averages 88 points a game. Kentucky wants to average 80 a game, um, but in those in these meaningful games, the Kentucky's record's eight and three, right? I mean, I, I guess that's right. I don't I don't really care about what the record is. In my book, they're they're one and three. Um, trying to be positive, but I, but in these meaningful games, I want to see Kentucky's offense open up a little bit. So even if you know Missouri's maybe not the best defensive team that Kentucky's going to play, if there's somebody who wants to, to run with Kentucky, I, I can, that's been under, under Calipari. Haven't we just wanted to see teams try to run with the Cats? Because yeah. that's, that's usually when they get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, they try to keep up. And I think Kentucky has – Drew and I talked about this in New York. This roster, I love this roster. Mm-hmm. I, there's not many. Pl- I don't. I don't know many players across college basketball that I would just, you know, want to replace some of our guys for. Obviously, they exist, but uh, this is a good roster. I'm, th- can we just look at it as the season starts over today? Go for an SEC championship. Um, haven't had one of those since the COVID year, um, or since the, uh, the the year was canceled from yeah. from COVID. So I mean, you know, I want to see Kentucky come out strong in the SEC. Play for an SEC championship, uh, and I'm excited about tonight. This is the first SEC road game that I've seen Kentucky play in person, so wow. I'm anxious for the environment and everything. Yeah, and I think if you like, you never want to downgrade an opponent. Missouri is a hell of a team. They they have a lot of talent, led by Kobe Brown, uh, just coming off SEC Player of the Week honors. He's coming off a 31 point performance against yeah. Illinois. He uh, was at the top of the scouting report. We talked to KT Turner yesterday. He said that is the guy that we are all in on. We cannot let him get rolling. He's super versatile. It, you know, kind of reminds me of the Julian Strother, what we saw uh, with Gonzaga, just a guy who can beat you in so many different ways. And you know, is a, a trail three point specialist. He's he's a guy that could really really hurt Kentucky. Uh, but is it wrong of me to say that Missouri's kind of been a little bit of fool's gold this year so far? The numbers look good. The record looks amazing. But they haven't played anybody of substance leading up to this most recent win. They got absolutely destroyed against Kansas. Um, looked okay against Central Michigan or uh, Central Florida. Looked okay on a win against Michigan, uh, Wichita State. So this is a team that they've gotten some okay wins. They had the one statement win against Illinois. On paper, I think that this game 
is definitely one that everybody's going to, you know, be super excited about and, uh, you know, a huge game in that regard. But I think this is a huge opportunity for Kentucky to maybe make a statement of its own because I think all eyes are on, you know, this program and its offensive struggles. And uh, I think it is going to be a big night, you know, Wednesday night uh, SEC Network game. I think there's going to be a lot of attention on this game. You look at all the national reporters are saying this is one of the best games of the uh, of today's slate. So uh, I think with so much attention on this game, it could be a great opportunity for Kentucky to kind of get that statement win, maybe get some offense, you know, like you said, just get some some players seeing the ball fall through the net. Uh, you know, C.J. Frederick could be a huge opportunity for him. Antonio Reeves, guys like yeah. that. Uh, you could really get them go and score a ton of points against admittedly a, a, a pretty poor defensive team in, in, in uh, Missouri. Uh, I, I think that this could be a game that Kentucky could actually win uh, pretty handily. You know, if you're looking to make a statement win, if you play to your strengths, I think Kentucky could capitalize on that um, and do kind of what Kansas did just a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I think, uh, speaking for Kentucky fans, uh, you take a one-point win from today. Absolutely. I mean, you, you just you get just out with a win. Get a win here. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, taking another loss to a, to a Power 5 team. Uh, you know, really, I thought this would be a chance for Kentucky to get a ranked win. I was kind of – I know, like, I agree with you. I mean, they haven't clearly played anybody. in the t- first time they played somebody, Kansas, they get blown out. But, I mean, Missouri looked pretty good against Illinois. And, uh, you know, maybe that was a fluky performance. But I, I kind of thought we would be playing – I thought kind of thought Kentucky would would be playing a top 25 team today. Um, but still, being able to, to come into that Louis, the Louisville game, coming off a win, you're not going to lose that game. Yeah. And, you know, that's two wins against Power 5 teams. Uh, we'll use air quotes there in describing Louisville. But um, that then, then you get into the heart of the SEC schedule. And, and I, as I've said, this is an opportunity to reset. Like, everybody just reset from a fan base perspective, from a team perspective, that you're 0-0. You're zero and zero. Uh, coming into today, and um, you know all the all the struggles we saw in the Michigan State game and 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 the UCLA game. Just can we forget, can we forget about them? I, I, I want to ask you this though: is um, you wrote a story uh, just about 15 minutes ago? <laughs> uh, you had you had to crank out like an 800 word story in about 15 minutes. It's pretty impressive. But can, if, what was the big big news there? So. We're not getting Chris Livingston at the four, as I think a lot of Kentucky fans have been wanting desperately. Uh, he played extremely well at the four and, and limited, you know, kind of the, the Florida A&M game really was not a great example of anything rotation-wise, yeah. position-wise, things like that, because they were a horrible team. Uh, Florida A&M was not a good team, and um, I think Cal kind of knew that going into it, and that's why he got so creative with the lineups. You got to see Ugana and Yenzo and uh, – Oscar Sheepo played together. Lance Ware started at the four alongside Oscar with Chris Livingston at the three. You got to do minutes. He played some at the four. There was a whole lot of just mixing and matching there uh, across the board. Got a lot of minutes there for Cason Wallace um, playing the lead point guard role there down the stretch. Got to see what he was like with the kind of keys in hand, and he put forth his best performance of the year, but it was against terrible competition. However, it led to a kind of epiphany moment for John Calipari, which I don't know if it's one that Kentucky fans will agree with, that Adu Thero needs to be playing the four, and Chris Livingston needs to be playing the three. And looking at the quote and the, and the actual you know specifics on that, um, it was because Cal likes those two together. He likes the versatility they bring together, having two six 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 seven ish kind of big physical guards of sorts on the floor together alongside a case and, and a, a Savier. Maybe you take Savier out and add more shooting with C.J. Frederick or uh, Antonio Reeves. Just allows you to have more versatility at that position with Oscar at the five. 
if you think of it in a big picture perspective, I think I like it a lot more than just on paper, Adu Thero at the four and Chris Livingston at the three. Yeah, well, okay, so I, I went back and kind of watched some old John Calipari teams. One of them in particular, 2012 team. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Terrence Jones played that 3-4 that there. We've been talking about, I think basketball, we, we already know, has kind of changed. You can go four guards. I, I just, yeah. I really feel like Chris Livingston has the physicality to play the four, mm-hmm. but gives you that, that dyna- the dynamic of the, your four being able to, to shoot threes. Now, I mean, I, I don't know if the arrow is the answer. I don't think Lance Ware is the answer. And I know Cal has been flirting with that lineup too. There's one lineup, Jack, will we ever see it? And this is my five. And it was Casey Wallace at the one, CJ Frederick at the two or the three, and Reeves playing the two or the three. And then uh, Chris Livingston at the four and Oscar at the five. I, I don't know. I feel I like it's a national title starting or five, uh, you know, a five-man team right there. That's, I, I like any of those guys shooting the ball, even Oscar from mid-range. I like, all, you know, th- this is what I hate about this. Look at this. Like, you can't see it on, on podcast, but this construction is... Construction with they're, they're not even really doing anything. It's making a one-lane road. It, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. It's, it's, the, the, it's wet. It's ugly. It's just terrible. This, this, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I just, this drive. Um, the, the worst part is we got to do it again on the way back. Yeah, another five, five and a half hours of this. Um, I, I will say... What is the common theme with what you just said about the different players, you know, the in and out, the different players of the three, the four, versatility there, um, you know, trying out Lance Ware, trying out Chris Livingston, trying out a new Thero. The common theme with all of this is no Jacob Toppin. And I think mm. that there is something to be said about, I don't know, call me a conspiracy theorist, call me a skeptic, I, I don't know, how, whatever you want to say. I think the Florida A&M game, the starting Lance at the four, all the talk after the game about we need physicality, we need toughness, the the message basically leading up to that game, the last week and a half, two weeks, the entire message has been we need toughness, we need physicality, we need somebody who's going to bring their effort every single play, every single possession. Uh, Chin Coleman had a quote uh, two weeks ago where he said that, uh, you know, they're, they're Jacob Toppin is a needs to be an everyday kind of guy, not an every other day, not an every. He said that it gets to the point where it's every other possession, every other play. He, you never know what you're going to get out of him. It's just too much inconsistency with Jacob Toppin. I think the Florida A&M game was entirely a message directed at Jacob mm. Toppin as a we will figure out a backup plan if you're not going to be the guy to step up and be the guy that we need you to be at the four. And I, I think that that's kind of what this is. If if Toppin can't be the guy with that star potential that everybody kind of thought what we saw out of him in the Bahamas, then I think it now is the time to start figuring out a contingency plan, start to come up with that backup plan because uh, he was a guy that was supposed to be leaned on and you know maybe even a breakout star on this team, and he just has not been that guy. He hasn't had been been uh, you know had the de- defensive intensity that Kentucky has needed. Hasn't been physical, been shying away from contact, kind of floating on the perimeter for mm-hmm. you know mid range jump shots, three point jump shots. He just has not been that guy that Kentucky needed, and I think. The Florida A&M game was the perfect example of Cal wanting to make a, a message, wanting to make a statement that if you're not going to be that guy for us, we're going to find somebody else who is. Hey, Cal had, had mentioned something, uh, I think uh, maybe it was the game before UCLA that was like, you know, you have this great vertical. I'd love to see it mm-hmm. when you go get rebounds. You have you have a 40-inch vertical. Yeah. Use all 40 inches of it is what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I we talked before the season on, on one of these episodes that I, I said that I thought that uh, – Jacob Toppin would be one of the best players in America. 
I mean, could, yeah. I, I mean, on I, paper, yeah, he has the, he has the athleticism. I like his jump shot. It's just not going in right now. Um, but yeah, Jacob Toppin has been maybe you know one of the bigger disappointments. I don't want to like. I'm not. I don't think I'm being too critical of him. I I, I'm say, I say that because I think he could very easily be one of the best players in the country. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't be. The, it wouldn't be this much of a disappointment if we didn't have such high expectations for him. And maybe, maybe there were too lofty expectations. I mean, I really did think he was. And it's look. It's still December. A lot of season left, and a lot of time for him to figure it out and and come around and, and be a, a contributor on the team. And you know more about this than I do, but he was one of those guys that was in there working on his jump shot, shot the most shots I think in practice with that shot tracker. Yeah. So I mean, I, you know. I don't know how much confidence is playing into it, and I know maybe it's hard when you're missing shots to to find different ways to contribute to your team's success. And you know, Cal always talks about he's talked about that for years. Like you're going to help us on the defensive end, you're going to get rebounds, you're going to find another way to help us win this game since the shots aren't going in. Um, I think the shots will eventually fall, and maybe today in a game that can be more open, Toppin sees the floor, sees a couple shots go down. Get, yeah, I mean, get the get the confidence going a little bit. Does it remind you at all of last season when the team kind of hit their rut? It was the, uh, you know, Notre Dame game where everybody yeah. thought, you know, all hell had broken loose. The team had no offensive identity. Everything was just terrible. You know, this and that. I remember that so vividly. And they responded with that stretch of the WKU game, yes. the, the uh, UNC, UNC game, yeah. and then the Kansas game. Yep. And those three games back to back to back kind of opened things up for Kentucky and really started kind of letting them find their groove and it you know led to a, a stretch in January where Kentucky was like the best team in college basketball. Scored 107 against Tennessee, right? This feels like that type of game that mm -hmm. could get you you take care of business in Columbia. Ideally, on paper, it looked like, it looked like a sensational win. It'd be a quad one win, true road game. Uh, on paper, this would look amazing uh, on Kentucky's resume. Transition that into uh, what could be a very feel-good game, feel-good win for Kentucky uh, against Louisville. Rivalry game, rivalry matchup. If you yeah. find a way to dog walk them, run them off the floor, build that momentum and get that offensive identity, you know, cruising, uh, and then I think you can start playing with fire a little bit. I think they're start, you know, uh, feeling a lot better about where things stand uh, offensively going into the real bulk of the SEC schedule, and then in January you get the uh, Kansas game, and, you know, that's when the real fun will begin, but I just feel like this stretch could, could again, on paper, ideally, theoretically, it could lead to a, a stretch of, you know, I think things starting to come together for this offense that is now ranked uh, uh, looking at it, uh, 199 in quality efficiency. Yeah. Uh, teams ranked in the top 50, so teams worth a damn, uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, they're 199 in college basketball, which is just simply unacceptable. Uh, and they got Not with they, this roster. They yeah. have to start finding an identity. They have to, uh, you know, move that ball more, run more stuff. I mean, how often do you hear Oscar Sheboy flat out say, "I need us to run more stuff." He yeah, that's a Kentucky star yeah, player, national player of the year. Yeah. Says that Kentucky needs to run more stuff. That's an issue. He also he, said we need to spread out more. That's he said part of coach, that's part of it. He said in the uh, the UCLA game, he told us he told the media. Maybe it wasn't right after that game. I think it was one of the next games. But he said I I was saying coach, they're they're double teaming me. They were like 
quadruple teaming him sometimes. And I actually sent you that one screenshot. There were four guys on the, on the around the perimeter who were wide Terrible. open. I think Oscar was even called for a foul there. But they want you know wanting to force feed the ball down to him. I, I, you know, I, I look at Oscar as like. He is the reason that you should be just shooting the ball from, you know, if you get an open look, take it. Because you might, even if you miss it, Oscar might get the rebound and get a putback. Um, so, yeah, I want to see something. I don't, I, whether they, they win by, by 20 or, or, you know, win by one point today, I just want to see better ball movement. I want to see them have fun. I haven't seen this team have fun yet. Like they, from Big Blue Madness to, you know, through the UCLA game, I, have you really, does it look like they're having fun? I mean, everything's been like this business-like approach to every game. And then when you get to the bigger games, you just see everybody just feels like they just tighten up. And uh, you're not going to win very many games against good teams when you're playing like that. I, and I don't know if that starts with the coaching staff. I know, I do feel like nationally, even not just here in Kentucky, there's a little bit of like a pressure on Calipari. Do you feel like that might be the case? Well, pressure on these players as well. Six it's, returns, it's trickling six, down six to them. returning yeah. players from the team that lost to St. Peter's. Like, yeah. I feel like that mm-hmm. pressure of you know this has to be a team. You know, even Oscar Sheboy has been tight in games and missing shots, and he shouldn't. You know. His entire mantra this entire offseason was, I'm not coming back for the individual accolades. I'm coming back to win a national championship for Kentucky. It looks amazing in headlines. Trust me. We know. We wrote them. It was (laughs) sensational. But what pressure does that put on yourself where everything relies on a national championship? Basically, what they're saying right now is we understand that we couldn't get over that hump in postseason play last year, and now none of this matters until they get past that first weekend. And then once then that happens, the pressure kind of gets off the sh- off their shoulders, and then you can loosen up a little bit. But it does feel like they're not having any fun because it is so much pressure on them to not be the team that they were last year. And I said this on last week's show: UCLA was baffled at Kentucky's game plan. They left almost like laughing at. I can't believe that this team with so much talent is so terrible at passing the ball. Ball movement is so bad. They're, they're so one-dimensional. They're so predictable. They pass it inside to Oscar Sheboy and just stop moving on the perimeter. Yeah. Let him do whatever he wants to do. Pass it back out at the end of the shot clock for a, you know, last second heat for, for Xavier Wheeler or, yeah. you know, whatever the case is. The, the offense just has no identity. There's no rhyme or reason to anything that they're doing. And, and that left UCLA going, I, I can't believe we won that game the way we did. Double-digit win uh, in the CBS Sports Classic in a game that, you know, admittedly the two teams, talent-wise, Kentucky oh, should, yeah. should run circles around UCLA. So, uh, I mean, Adem Bona was the star, quote-unquote, center for UCLA who you know was a, a backup option for Kentucky during the recruiting process so it's just you know little things like that that I don't think UCLA thought they were as talented as, as Kentucky was but they ended up that ended up not mattering because of the other things that went so poorly for Kentucky so that stuff has to get fixed uh, it just really feels like tonight is a huge opportunity for Kentucky to get some of those things fixed uh, how great would it be Steven to just get a, a 95 point performance oh, just go out there and just spray, just knock down a bunch of shots. Let CJ Frederick get hot in a game that matters. Again, he got things rolling against Florida A&M, but they suck. That, that we don't, we didn't yeah. learn anything from that Florida A&M game wow. out, outside of the fact that they were not very good. So, yeah. uh, that I, every team inside Rupp Arena always hits threes, no matter who they are. We yeah. learned, we again learned that. That would be that would be great. Ninety-five points. 
win 95 or something like that you know, you know 98 yeah. shoot i'd be I'd be comfortable with 80 would be point. good. Yeah. yeah, 80. That's the, you know, that's the, uh, you want to average 80 points per game. You start with averaging 80, you know, in the SEC. Uh, and that would start with tonight. But, but and on the flip side, we've talked about what, you know, uh, that, that, that they could have a big game today, maybe even win, running away, and that this could be the start of, you know, a, kind of a, a turning the page on the season a little bit and getting things back on, on the right track. But is there a scenario where the worst-case scenario happens and uh, I don't, I don't see Kentucky getting run off the floor tonight. Ooh. And any, but, but is there a scenario where, you know, they come out with another ten-point loss, and, and what does that look like? So their two best players are shooting over forty-two percent from three. As a team, they're shooting with four thirty-seven-ish percent from three. So when they do get hot, they get extremely hot. That's what happened against Illinois. They, when they're firing on all cylinders, they can beat pretty much anybody. So it. To say that losing, and especially in losing that type of fashion, like we just saw Illinois do, who has beaten some pretty solid teams, UCLA yep. being one of them, um, you know, it is a scary thought because this is kind of the, the, the feel-good win. Like, this is the one that on paper it's kind of building up to the perfect storybook moment for Kentucky to kind of send the season off, mm -hmm. you know, kind of get rid of the bad taste, the first third of the season uh, out of your mouth and focus on the second, the, the second and third thirds of the, uh, of the season. This is the perfect opportunity. Uh, and it's just a scenario. I don't even want to envision unfolding because that, that ride back is going to be so that be, long. That'd be worst case scenario <laughs> that, that right there, I think would be an all-time low. Like I don't, I don't know how you recover. You don't win super pretty. Yeah, you win by 20 points against Florida A&M, but that should have been a game that that was a name or score game. Kentucky could have won that game by 100 or 15 or yeah. four. Like it, it, whatever you want to win by, uh, they could have done that. So you didn't learn anything about them. So really, the last real feeling that we've gotten about this team was against UCLA. Following that up with this, oh. That'd be ugly. You, you just you can't you can't let that scenario unfold. You got to win this game. Man, I can just feel like just even having to think about it because we've both been kind of on you know so far on this trip. I've been thinking that when we leave, we'll be it'll be after a Kentucky win. Kind of just even putting that thought out there. Just yeah, I just thought this would be a really long ride back. Just have to go drive past these same this same farmland, these same trees for five hours after a loss. Look, if, if Kentucky loses tonight, I'm driving the whole way back yeah. home tonight. Yeah, get the hell out of there. Yeah, I'll be home at 5 a.m. I don't care. <laughs> I, I am getting the hell out uh, off this trip. I'm going to take some time away and just disappear for a while because yeah. I, I, I can't. It's just not a scenario that can unfold. It's They've got a great happen. record right now with this. With, would it? And then we'll, we'll go back to the positivity. But let's just, let's just if they if Kentucky loses this, how bad of a loss would it be? I mean, this is a Missouri team, like you said, it, it maybe uh, a little bit of a fluky well, win against Illinois, but I don't know. At that point, you could start arguing that maybe that's just who they are, that they are a hot shooting team, and yeah. you know those teams do strike every once in a while, and uh, you know Alabama when they are kind of playing that same run and gun style, put a ton of points on the board, get a ton of shots up. You know when they're rolling, they can beat anybody in college basketball, and they're kind of known as that, you know. Hotter, hotter, ice cold type team, but maybe uh, you know that would just prove that Missouri is better than I'm giving them credit for, and maybe they aren't just a fluke. So uh, I, I, I don't personally see that unfolding, but you know, yeah. it, it would lead me to be more, you know, give more credit to Missouri for being the team that maybe okay. I should have given them the credit for going into this game. Uh, but 
not I so much I, a, a I taken hope, away. Okay. I hope that we don't even have to have that conversation. That would be that would be nice. I have another question uh, for you too, because again, you're you're constantly uh, covering the team. Uh, the, Severe Wheeler only played what 20 minutes in the last game. I mean, is that going to be a trend we see, or is that another? I'm sending a message to my senior. You know, uh, what what do you think? Do, do we or or is that? Maybe is that the rotation? I really think, and I'll, I'm sorry, I will let you answer the question I asked you, but I really think Severe Wheeler could be absolutely phenomenal off the bench as an energy guy. Like Darius Miller came off the bench as a senior, and, and he, he did pretty well. Yeah, people sobbed their eyes out whenever he walked through the, the circle, you know, on senior night and played my old yeah. Kentucky home. He was one of those beloved Kentucky players in, in of the Cal era and, le- you know, leading up to it. It's not a bad thing if you come off the bench. It's not a bad thing if you're a yeah. crucial role piece on a Kentucky basketball team. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, do you think that it is possible that we start to see him only because he was playing, what, almost the whole game, right? So, I had heard earlier in the year, and I've, I've, I put this out on various platforms, said it on this show, that uh, I was told that Cason Wallace would be getting the keys to this team as the season went on. And I thought the, again, we didn't learn much about the Florida A&M game because it was what it was, but just from a mentality standpoint of what Cal's looking for, him playing the the last 11 minutes of that game and ballooning the lead from, I think it was like seven in the second half up to 20 to close out the game, uh, all with Xavier Wheeler on the bench. I thought that was really, really telling on Cal's end. And I think he had a quote after the game where he was referring to Cason Wallace as my point guard. Started, said some things like, you know, we got to get him used to being the point, you know, running point and, you know, being comfortable in that role and things like that. And, you know, he said it in the midst of, you know, Cal Perry Spiels where yeah. he can say a lot of nothing and a lot of time. So you kind of kind of take each quote and decipher them as yeah. you you know as necessary but I thought that was really telling he was referring to Kaysen just on the surface referring to Kaysen as his point guard why would he say that unless he had a reason behind it and I think it's totally fair Kaysen I I, I, I like getting kind of intel from the teams that Kentucky is playing and you know what their th- their thoughts are and they left even with Kaysen going two for 13 against UCLA they left that game saying Kaysen Wallace is Kentucky's best player, and mm-hmm. admittedly, they said if if the the keys are in Savir Wheeler's hands as a 35 minute per game type of guy, Kentucky won't win anything. So that was not my quote. That was that was UCLA's quote. They won't win anything of substance this season, and I think that there's something to that. And I agree with yeah. what you said. I've said it. I mean, to to the death of me, to the my face has been blue. Die on that hill. Uh, the fact that. Savir has a crucial role in this team. He can be yes. an unbelievable talent. Yes. At his best, he's amazing. But the reason he's amazing is because he's a change of tempo guy. He's a yes. change of pace, ebb and flow guy that if you are in need of a spark plug, I'm going to go 95 miles an hour down the floor, 94 feet of hell. That's who Savir Wheeler is. He is a yep. guy that you you, you plug in and, and say, we, we need a spark. Go give you a spark. That's who he is. He's a guy that's going to, you know... Set set the tone. He's gonna you know initiate a fast break. He's gonna get things rolling in transition and find opportunities. You know a lob at the rim or mm-hmm. you know a, a transition bucket for himself. You know one of his patented scoops. Like he has a very crucial role in this team, but it doesn't have to be as a thirty-five minute. It, it yep. can't be a change of pace yep. if it's the one pace the whole game. Absolutely. So 
kind of u- using that to, you know, maximizing those skills that he brings to the table and having your kind of even-keeled guy who doesn't get too high or too low in case and wall as your go-to guy, I don't see how there how that's a flawed system. I don't know how that that idea could could go wrong for Kentucky. Let Kaysen play through his mistakes as the lead guard right now. He's going to turn the ball over. He's going to make dumb decisions. He's going to take bad shots. Let him play through that so when March rolls around, he can be the 33, 34, 35-minute-per-game guy. And Savir can be your 25-minute-per-game guy as the change-of-pace guy, the tempo setter, and, and you know really get things rolling off the bench. And I think that's your team. I think that is where Kentucky will be at its best. It's yeah. not attacking Savir individually. It's not. It's, no. it's, it's no. understanding what he is best at, and that's what he's best at. Yeah, and I, I wanted to say, and I'm glad you said that too, that you know, there's been a little bit of criticism uh, at Savir Wheeler. You know, it's not, it's not really criticism of Savir Wheeler. I agree with you. He has a huge role to play on this team. If this team is going to make, if this team will, is going to win the SEC regular season outright if they're going to compete for a Final Four national championship. So Veer Wheeler is going to have to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I just think that his role needs to be limited a little bit. He is a great layup maker, as Cal says. Yeah. Um, I think he's a very cerebral player, and but I do think that you, you lose something because of how they're able to play off of him and they don't have to you know respect his shot. Kaysom Wallace, you have to respect his shot. And uh, it's, it's pretty clear. You know, I think you look at that team with uh, Kevin Knox, and they started the year with Quad A Green running the point, I think, for a lot of the time, and then they, we figured out how good Shea Gilders Alexander was, and then he took yeah. over, and then by the end of the season, you were like, why was Quad A Green ever running the point when Shea, we didn't know how good, how did we not know Shea was this and good? And Quade still had his moments. He won the game for Kentucky against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt the game, right. game winner. Like, yep. he had his moments where Quad A was, you know, had, 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 he shined through. But he also shot a three against Kansas State, but... Uh, yeah, well, ir- irrelevant. Um, <laughs> but they... But you're there's right. There's value yeah. everywhere. There's value. Yes. There's too much value on this team to not maximize it to the best of each yeah. of their individual yeah. abilities. It makes no sense to just force feed something that admittedly did not work to close out the year. When Kentucky was rolling, was when they were making shots, it was, you know, free-flowing back and forth last season. When it, they struggled was when it was kind of the grind it out. Let's just milk this game out and, and, and plod their way to a, a, a victory. And sometimes it would result in, in losses. Unfortunately, that we're seeing that kind of extending into this season with just a, a new batch of, of pieces alongside some of the other uh, returnees, and uh, it, it has led to some pretty ugly offense. But the pieces are all there. I'm not concerned long term about this. I still, to this day, think that this is a, a team that can be a title contender. Absolutely. As of right now, yes, the offense is, is really struggling. It's ugly, and it needs to improve. They need an offensive coordinator. I, I wish you know the bringing in Liam Cohen on the football side. I wish there was a Liam Clark. Cohen equivalent that could, just, that could just come in. Wow, what a transition. Yeah. How about that, Steven? <laughs> this morning, news breaks uh, by KSR, just putting putting that out there, that Tyler Eulis is back. He's been back with the program. He's been taking classes, full-time class. Uh, he's a full-time student at UK uh, as he works his way back from that absolutely tragic car wreck that basically left him uh, you know, on crutches for six months, uh, broke a, a ton of bones in his body, and he's just uh, in nowhere near close to playing shape. Don't know if he will ever – he needs to be on the floor. I want him to – he's my favorite point guard of all time. I want him to be on the basketball floor doing what he does best. However – 
if he can't be on the floor playing basketball, I want him to be coaching basketball. I want him to be around this program in whatever capacity he can be in. And Kentucky is set to make that official, bringing him in as a student assistant, very similar, identical to the role uh, that Brad Calipari had on this team last season. And, and um, I, I think it's a, an absolutely crucial decision for John Calipari. You love what he can bring to a guy like Xavier Wheeler, how he can help a guy like Cason Wallace. Uh, I absolutely love the addition. Um, again, my favorite point guard of all time, Kentucky basketball history. So I, it's very yeah. hard to go wrong in that regard. But it shows how Cal, you know, really how much he admires Tyler Ulis. And, and, and I, I don't know if I dreamed this. Did, did you say, was it you or somebody said that Cal had already reached out to Tyler Ulis at some point just to kind of get his thoughts on, on this team and how to, how to run this offense? Uh, so he was around at the very beginning. So okay. just kind of some backstory on this whole move. Kentucky's been trying to get him on as a full-time assistant, uh, you know, as a full-time student assistant since the beginning of the year. There was kind of some pushback on Kentucky's end about how to, you know, make it legal and make it, you know, done the gone through the right channels to make it done the right way. Kentucky finally found that loophole by having him, you know, he was just taking some part-time classes and that didn't that didn't suffice for, uh, you know, the Kentucky regulations that, up, up top. They finally found that loophole. He's a full-time student now, so he's bringing, coming in as a full-time student assistant. Um, so yes, he's already been around the program, uh, taking classes. He was there at Big Blue Madness. He's been there uh, the entire season, but now he's going to be there in an on-court capacity. He's going to be able to help the team more as you know, more than a, a glorified guest of sorts. So, you know, he's going to be able to be there and help walk through things and you know, be the hands-on coach that you know, use him to the best of his abilities as well. So, uh, man, having a role model like that, a, a guy that knows the game, so you know, known for his basketball IQ, uh, the magic that he produces the, as the starting point guard of Kentucky. I mean, goodness gracious, uh, what an unbelievable move for, for you know, guys like Xavier Wheeler, guys like Cason Wallace. Shoot, think of Adu Thero, new power forward Adu Thero in, in Cal's mind, but if you want him to be the big guard of sorts and learn how to play the guard position that I think he will be down the road, what better guy to, to learn from than arguably the best point guard in Kentucky basketball history? Size aside, yeah, just in terms of pure oh. basketball IQ, yeah, pure no basketball better person IQ. to learn from. I loved his, I loved his jump shot. Um, Tyler Ulis was, you know, I think his size actually played to an advantage almost. I think he had that low center of gravity, you know, uh, quick, kind of a pest. You know, Severe Wheeler, look, I mean, I, he doesn't shoot the ball as well as Tyler does, but or Tyler did, but, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about his change of pace and his his, his defense, and he's kind of, you know, Severe's kind of that, that little guy that just, like, as, you know, if you're like, just bringing the ball across that court, it's like, will you get off of me? Like, he's yeah. just all up in your face. So I love I love that we're going to get Tyler Eulis kind of giving some guidance to Kentucky's point guards, and, and uh, it can be nothing but a positive. I yeah. mean, Eulis is a great guy, you said, to bring back. Um, a two-year player in Cal's system, so he's going to know the system because it has not changed. I don't believe it's changed since 2016. You so. were literally, before this show started, he was watching highlights of the Wichita State game uh, in 2014 <laughs> during the start of Kentucky's... We were parked when I did that, yeah. The start of Kentucky's yeah. run, and he literally said, we literally just watched Kentucky run this exact same play uh, against UCLA, the congestion, things like that. They won that game, and there are a lot of wins on the table for Kentucky to close out this year, um, and it starts tonight. Kentucky has to get the job done against uh, the, a very hot Mizzou Tiger squad uh, led by first-year coach Dennis Gates. Done a, a tremendous job to start his, his time here, but, uh, you know, 
time for a nice little reality check that I, I hope Kentucky is. Uh, Welcome to the SEC. Yeah, I, that, that'd be tremendous as we get a nice little uh, ESPN yeah. chime. Uh, so I think that should wrap this up. We want to give fans an opportunity to listen to this before the uh, game actually starts.